Good morning, church family. And there goes Gail. Say an extra prayer for her. She's going to teach our kids in our promised land uh, all three services this week. And she's got so many good stories. Uh, so just praying for the discipleship of our kids down there. Well, I'm Pastor Reg. And I have one more picture from Niger to show you real quick as I begin. All right, this is just a picture of uh, some sheep and shepherds. There's some cattle in there. This is a really common scene in Niger. And this picture is a good bridge between what Gail just shared and our sermon today. Uh, because we are, we have been traveling through Jesus' parables this summer. It's been a good series, hasn't it? We've gone to just great, great places uh, in the depth of Scripture, like Jesus takes us. Uh, well, this morning we're going to look at the parable of the lost sheep. So, to begin, now that we're thinking about sheep, I want to continue thinking about sheep, well, pretty much all morning, uh, but we're going to start with a quiz to see how much you know about sheep. All right, this is called the How Much Do You Know about sheep. Are we ready for this? This is a quiz designed to find out how much you know about the vulnerability and dependent nature of sheep. Now I looked it up on, on Washington State ranks number 23 out of the 50 states in sheep farming production. So this crowd should know a little bit about sheep. Okay that's not really high but we're not in the bottom either. Although we, we do live in the suburbs so I'm not sure uh, how much we're going to know about sheep. But let's see how you do. All right five questions. Here we go. Number one. If sheep aren't not directed to suitable pasture and water, what do they do? Order Chinese carryout? Look it up on Google Earth? Send a petition to their shepherd? Or D, fail to eat and drink correctly? D. D, all right. Very good. Everybody got it right. Off to a great start. Number two. Which best describes the intelligence of sheep? <laughs> Top of the food chain? PhD material? Sly as a fox or D, mutton heads. D, mutton heads. That's right. There's a reason that phrase exists, I guess. Okay, number three. How do, you, uh, how do sheep keep cool in the summer? They visit a baba shop. I did not write this. <laughs> they wear lighter clothing and drink lemonade. They roll down their car windows. Or D, they count on their shepherd to shear them at the right time. D, that's right. They count on their shepherd. They are dependent on their shepherd. Number four, if a sheep gets separated from its flock, it stops and asks for directions unless it's male. <laughs> that, no, B, finds a wolf, kills it, and eats it. C, opens its own new show in Wellington's Embassy Theater. All right, and D, most likely will die from predators or exposure. D, that is correct. You guys are on fire. All right, number five. Which of the following poses a threat to someone hiking in sheep country? A, being trampled by a pack of sheep. B, being bitten by an angry sheep. C, being gored to death by a sheep. Or D, having to wear itchy wool socks. D, D is almost a certain parallel. I know we'd love to see an aggressive sheep, but they're really not. They don't pose a threat uh, to people, to hikers. So now, you feel like we know, we've, I've, we've been thinking about sheep in ways that you probably never have before. Uh, and that's a, good, that's a good thing. Would you, uh, now with sheep on your mind, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Our text today, where Jesus is confronted and responds with, as he often does, parables. So Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. 
And you can take out your sermon notes from the bulletin or the app if those help you stay along. And let's begin. Okay, Jesus uses parables to teach important lessons that we must still learn and apply today. And remember what parables are. They are stories that teach an important point. But as we've been talking about all summer, these aren't stories. The, the points are not just moral lessons. They're not just illustrations. Uh, they're not just feel-good behavior changes. Now, G- Jesus makes points in his parables that refer to the kingdom of God. In fact, how our lives should change very deeply and, and extremely in the, through the lens of the kingdom of God. And anytime you hear people say, Jesus, yeah, Jesus was like all the other religious leaders. He taught us to, have, to live a good life and, and to, to be generous and all the kind other people. Or he was like some of the world leading philosophers that, that came and said, you know, life is about living unselfishly and attaining self-actualization through our good character, those kind of things. But if you read the words of scripture, Jesus comes and says, no. No one has ever said the things that I'm saying. No one has ever claimed the things that I'm claiming. Okay, I'm not just here to help you interpret your worldview and make it and make you feel better about yourself. I'm not here to supplement what you already believe. I'm here to blast your foundations and be the thing through which you view everything else in your life. That's what Jesus does as he claims to be God, our Lord and Savior. And as he teaches, we need to listen. And as he uses the parable of the lost sheep, here's what he teaches. And here's what I want us all to walk away from with today. That is, here's our main point today. If we are not to be hypocrites, then we need to truly follow Jesus and share his love for the lost. Let me say that again. If we Christians are not going to be hypocrites, then we need to follow Jesus and share his love for the lost. In our text today, these seven verses give us three examples to follow if we Christians are not going to be hypocrites, but to truly follow Jesus, take on his love for the lost. Three examples for us to follow. All right, the first is to love like Jesus. We see these in the first, this in the first three verses of chapter 15 as the text begins. Let's look at those three verses. Here's the scene. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Now, meditate on that. Who is there? What are they doing? The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and eats with them. Verse 3, so he told them this parable. So remember, when does Jesus tell a parable? Remember what we've learned? Always in response to a question or a problem, whether spoken or unspoken. It's always in response, never in a vacuum. So here, the grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes have led him to, to... to speak three successive parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. Okay, we're only going to look at the first three today. The the prodigal son is is the more popular name for that last one. But in your own study, you can see how these build on each other. But we're going to focus on the lost sheep today and glean what we can 
from the depths of this parable. This grumbling here is the question or problem. This grumbling, grumble, grumble. We all know grumblers. We all are grumblers sometimes. And this is the type of grumbling that we can all identify with from time to time. All right, so in this point of Luke, these middle chapters of Luke, uh, they contain just an enormous amount of Jesus' wisdom and teachings and actions. And at this point in his ministry, he was at the, at the peak of his ministry of popularity. He was like a superstar and everybody wanted to come and see him and come and hear him. And here we see that there's two basic kinds of people identified that were drawing near to him. They were the sinners. Okay, and then there was the moral people, the good people, the self-righteous people, I'm just going to call them. All right, these are two opposing worldviews that are coming to see and hear Jesus. Two opposing worldviews. And Jesus is going to deconstruct both of these worldviews and reconstruct a whole new one. And that's what Jesus does. And that's what we see unfold as we continue. Because both are lost. And Jesus wants all the lost to be found through him. Both kinds, the sinner and the self-righteous. Okay, so how do we love like Jesus? What do we see here? This example that we want to follow. Let's look back at verse 1. We see sinners and tax collectors. And this is the first step in following Jesus is we must welcome sinners. We must welcome sinners. Tax collectors and sinners, let's just look briefly at who those people are. The tax collectors first, if you don't know this. Why are they so evil? Because they were Jewish, fellow Jewish people who took the job to, to collect the taxes for Rome with all the power of the Roman military behind them so they could force you to give taxes and they could charge you whatever extra interest they wanted. And so they were thieves of their own people. And they were hated as traitors. They and their families were hated. Then the sinners... These were the conniving people, the con artists, the thieving men, the fallen women, prostitutes, the punk kids, the pariahs of society. And they were gathering to hear Jesus. See, Jesus shows that whenever the gospel is proclaimed appropriately, truthfully, then even the most sinner, heinous of sinners come and are attracted to it. We're going to learn some other things. This, even the most heinous sinners are attracted to it. But the self-righteous are all the more critical of it. And that's what we see next. Both sinners and self-righteous are both there. And the church even today is a collision of worldviews. All of us together. And Jesus wants to save everyone. So we learn today that the second way to love Jesus is that we must resist that criticism that we'll get when we follow Jesus. When we do the right thing, when we live a godly life and respond in truth in every situation, we will be criticized. It happened to Jesus, our master, and he said, a servant's not greater than his master. It's going to happen to us. You and I will have to deal with critics when we're doing the right thing, and that's great. We share in Christ's sufferings. That's great. And you and I will be tempted to be the criticizers, to be the grumblers, so I just want to get those things out. We have to stand against it, and we have to watch the temptation not to be the grumbers, grumblers. Sometimes we change roles. Let me illustrate the different roles here. 
uh, with a sports uh, illustration. Uh, football, basketball, soccer, tennis, swimming, uh, any sport has three basic types of participants in it, okay? Follow this, follow this illustration. First type are the players. Okay, they're the ones that are active. They're the ones that are getting things done, who make the difference, who accomplish the goals. Second group of people are the referees. They're the ones who judge the game, who look for the people who break rules and who penalize infractions. And then C, uh, the third type of group are the, uh, the spectators. All right? They're there to just watch and they enjoy the action of others. And they cheer and boo. All right, those are the three people. Of the three of these, the Pharisees are the referees. Okay, they're the ones that are seeking to identify all that are breaking the rules and penalize them. But the thing is, all of these are also seen in Jesus' church. Right here. The spectators are the ones who come to the services and sing the songs, who enjoy watching others in action and cheer and boo and the next without doing anything else. The referees are the ones who come to criticize and find fault in others, whether other members of the church or visitors of the church or people outside the church who just don't measure up to our standards. And then the third are the players, those who are involved in the ministry, those who are seeking to accomplish the work of God and the ways that God has called and uniquely shaped each person. Those who want to love Jesus and see everyone reached with the message that saved them. The message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the category that we're called to be in. We're called to be in it. And we're in it when we're active in the church, when we're active in the community, whether that's a small group, personal discipleship, come to that Wednesday night barbecue and just be a part of the church, and on and on and on, to be active in the work of the ministry, proclaiming Jesus in your workplaces, and on and on. So what is the criticism that we need to resist? We need to be ready to resist as Jesus followers when we're out there doing it. Well, let's look what they said about Jesus. This man, they said with a sneer, receives sinners and eats with them. All right, now that's really scandalous to the Jewish leaders and the teachers of the law at that time because the Old Testament truth had gotten distorted. We spent a whole fall series on the, the Sermon of the Mount, how Jesus was correcting all the distortions of the Old Testament. Remember that? Well, here's another one. They had distorted the Old Testament concepts that we shouldn't be in the company of these people who don't measure up. They'd make us unclean. But Jesus is setting them straight here by setting a new standard that Jesus prefers the company of sinners. And isn't that good news for us, we who are sinners? So Jesus prefers the company of sinners. And we see him often associating with them and eating with them. Now let's set something straight though at that point. And make it clear that Jesus did not associate with sinners to become like them. And sometimes you'll hear that. Well, Jesus hung out with X, Y, and Z, and so that must be okay. He must be approving that behavior. And no, he did not hang out with them to become like them, but to witness to them. All right, and there's a real danger as we go out 
and follow Jesus by associating with sinners freely and unabashedly. The danger is, and, and young people are especially vulnerable to this, that as we hang out with wicked people, we become wicked people. All right, we want to be approved by them, and so we start doing what they're doing. And I think we've probably all been there. And you know what I'm talking about. And Jesus never fell into that trap. He associated with sinners to witness to them and to lead them to repent, which is a change of heart from their current values and sin towards the holy values of God that give you life from being lost to being found, from being in misery to being in joy. Again, we will be criticized when we follow him. But if Jesus was attacked, we will be too when we're living a godly life. Be okay with that. Look for that. Value that. And when we are, be prepared to follow Jesus' example again, which we see right here. We must then answer with wisdom. We have all the godly wisdom here to answer. The words of life. Here in verse 3, there is grumbling, accusations and criticism against Jesus, and he answers with a parable. And he begins with the parable of the lost sheep. He does this to teach an offensive truth to the Pharisees in a convicting way. And the truth is that these people thought that they had the higher moral ground. They thought that their way was right. That they thought that they were the godly ones. And we discover as Jesus responds to them, now that we've covered how to love like Jesus by welcoming everybody, even if they are not like us. We follow Jesus in that. And now we discover the second example that we need to follow today by looking at the actual parable and the characters in the parable. So let's do that. And we see the second example is that we need to commit like the shepherd commits. We need to commit to Jesus' work like the shepherd commits in this parable. Jesus' response to their condemning grumbling begins with this parable, verses 4 and 5, where he begins parables in different ways. Here he begins connecting with everybody in the crowd. The grumbling, he says, What man of you, what man of you, having a hundred sheep and one is lost, would not leave the ninety-nine and go look for that lost and rescue that lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So Jesus is connecting with the crowds here. Even the Pharisees and scribes would have grasped that losing a sheep got their attention because it, that's an asset. Even if they don't, if, if they have hard hearts, it, the Bible calls them lovers of money. So they, they even recognize, hey, you don't want to lose a sheep. So he's, he's identifying what man of you wouldn't look, wouldn't, if you've lost something that you treasure, something that's valuable for you, drop everything and go find it. He's connected with everybody in the crowd here. But how does Jesus portray the shepherd in this story? Let's look at the example that we need to follow in the shepherd. First, he takes action. He takes focused action. And that's our example. We must have focused action. What is this focused action that we should take? Well, the shepherd has one focus. What is it? The sheep, that's his focus. But notice, a hundred sheep are there. That's an average-sized flock back then. And historians will all agree that 
that was never manned by just one shepherd. There was always a team or a group or a pair. The chief shepherd would go and look for the lost. But notice that the focus is on the flock, but it also comes down to each individual one. So observe the shepherd's focus when one individual sheep is lost. His focus is on that lost sheep. Get it? Now why is it such a deal? Why, why is there so much urgency to go find that one lost sheep quickly? And that goes back to the nature of sheep. Remember the characteristics of sheep. Sheep are directionless. Okay, they wander away easily and get lost and can never find their way back home on their own. Okay, sheep are also defenseless. Dogs bite, cats scratch, skunks do their thing. <laughs> All right. But sheep, they're defenseless. They depend on the shepherd. Sheep are stupid. Have you ever uh, been to a circus and seen a trained sheep act? <laughs> no. That would be impossible. Uh, they mindlessly follow the crowd even to their destruction. God says... We are like sheep. And we're dependent on a shepherd. And he treasures us. And he's a good shepherd. The follow a crowd even to their destruction. I don't know, maybe you were like me when I was a kid. See if you've ever heard anything like this before. Uh, how many of you were told when you were going to make a decision and follow the crowd into some bad behavior? Well, if so-and-so jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff with them? How many people have ever heard that? Yeah, hey, that's a lot. Of, that's a pretty common thing. Okay, so I was told when I was a kid, well, that comes from sheep. That's what sheep would do. You know, they would, and I said, no way. They can't possibly be that dumb. Why would they possibly do that? Well, then you grow up and you find out it's true. They really do. All right, let's see this headline right here. This is from the Associated Press in 2005. It, this is amazing. I'm just going to read the, the whole article. It's very short. Okay, are we ready? Istanbul, Turkey. First, one sheep jumped to its death. Then, stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff, Turkish media reported. In the end, 450 dead animals lay on top of one another in a billowy white pile the Oxum newspaper said. Those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and the fall got more cushioned. <laughs> oh man. There's nothing we can do. They're all wasted. Nevzat Behan, a member of one of 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the herd, was quoted as saying. I mean, so this is, seems unbelievable. But it is believable. This is sheep. It's almost like God created them just for this sermon illustration. <laughs> it's exactly how sheep are, and it's exactly how humans are. Human naturally are like sheep, directionless, defenseless against increasing sin and lostness on their own. Spiritually stupid and helpless without our good shepherd and other under-shepherds that come along in your life. Only one thing is more hopeless than a lost sheep, and that's a lost sinner away from Jesus, the good shepherd. So what does this mean to us? Well, let's put this in terms 
that we might relate to even better. Remember that we're following the shepherd's example of a focused action. An urgent response to a focused action. Okay, these are terms that I think we can relate to better. All right, this is the Reg Overstreet paraphrase of this verse. Okay, ready? Which of you, having an iPhone, if you've lost it, doesn't put every other part of life on hold and look for it until he finds it? All right, now am I getting your attention here? All right, I'll, I'll increase the intensity a little bit here. Which of you moms, having a toddler who wanders off at the fair, doesn't leave the older kids with your husband, friend, or complete stranger and go off looking for that toddler until you find her? Can you relate to these things? When there's an urgency, when it's something we value, something we treasure, there will be an urgency to find what is lost. That's the focused action here. The shepherd feels that loss and does not quit until the sheep is found because each and every one is of great value to the shepherd. That's humans to God, each and every one, no matter if you like them or not. Sinners are disconnected from God with eternal destiny at stake. And so what's our example to follow? It's to be an outreach-minded church. To be evangelicals, which means we're characterized by telling the gospel. The good news to people, whether they listen or not. Each person needs to hear the good news. To be an outreach-minded follower of Jesus. So we have a new fall series coming up. It's going to be a great journey through the book of 1 Timothy. And some years we do a mailer to all this larger community. We're not doing that this year. So we are getting personal invitation cards printed up. They'll be available in the next... Uh, probably next weekend. My question to you is, will you have the sense of urgency and use those as a tool? That's just one, one tool and give them to everyone. Knowing that everybody you see in your lives, anywhere you go, is a sheep of utmost value to our good shepherd. To use our sports metaphor, we're not to be spectators or referees, but the players. And to use Jesus' sheep metaphor, we, we commit like the shepherd commits to love and seek what's lost if we're really following Jesus, if we really believe in Jesus. And when the sheep is found, do we just leave it there and forget about it? No. What does the shepherd do in verse 5? Verse 5, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. What is Jesus saying in this part of the parable? Here's our next point. What we need to follow the shepherd. We must compassionately take the burden for this newly found sheep. Okay, the sheep is too weak to return on its own. So the shepherd takes the burden on himself with no grumbling no, but rejoicing. When the lost are found, sometimes, it's, sometimes there's a mess. And we gladly take that burden and rejoice about it. Here's a picture that I think captures that really well. A Middle Eastern shepherd, you can see in the back, carrying the sheep on its shoulders, probably injured, can't get through, can't get back home on its own because he loves his sheep and he treasures this sheep. And he'll bring it back into the sheepfold where it can be gathered around in the community and brought to health. And Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. For his sheep. So what does it look like when we, the church, follow the good shepherd's example? 
There's a laying down of our life, a reprioritizing based on the value of these sheep. We're a community who's been rescued from our sins. That's a pretty awesome thing. The purpose for which we've been rescued from our sins is to turn around and seek to rescue others. And to bring them into this caring community, not to just leave them alone again. The shepherd is committed to the lost and he's committed to the sheepfold. The community here. So I'm going to ask, are you connected here? Are you connected here in ways that people are speaking into your life and you're able to, to serve and to build up the body? and the ministries here, and the outreach here, and to be able to have space in your life to welcome non-believers in your life and younger believers in the faith to pour into them and to grow spiritually with you. Because the shepherd is committed to the sheep and the sheepfold. That's our example to follow. We must follow the example of being committed like the shepherd is committed. And when we faithfully obey that, then we are able to follow the third example with all of the joy of our hearts. And that is rejoice like heaven rejoices. How does this parable end? In these final two verses, Jesus, Jesus completes the parable and then he gives the conclusion to his audience. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. This is the shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders. Verse 6, and when he comes home... He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And now Jesus concludes, Just so I tell you, that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Let me ask, who has the joy here first? Who has the joy? The shepherd the friends, the neighbors, and all of heaven. All of these join together in the opposition of the grumbling of the referees. The scorners, the scoffers, the religious people, the moral people who look down on anyone or who are indifferent to the condition of anyone. And we have to parent our kids in this, never to look down on people. I have young kids and, and we catch them sometimes, looking down on people. And that's up to us to parent against that. No, no, we need to see people like Jesus sees them. Okay, we need to discipline ourselves in that same way. That's human nature, to look down on people. This is a discipline. Who has the joy? All these, all of heaven. What causes the joy? Here's what causes the joy. When the lost respond, whether they're sinners or whether they're the self-righteous, repentance. Repentance is a, is a turning away from what's wrong to what's right. A sorrow for sin. When there's an understanding that sin is against God and people turn away from it and turn towards God, this is something we rejoice over greatly. And then verse 7, having drawn them into the story, Jesus now delivers this devastating application to the Pharisees and the keepers of the law. In verse 7, he says, The 99, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And of course, that's directed at the religious people who are self-righteous, does not want them to miss this point, and hopefully they'll be convicted to repentance themselves. 
That the sinner who repents brings joy to God, not the self-righteous who reject Jesus' invitation to repent and follow him. Which one describes you? Of all of these today. And how will you respond? Well, God's word has given us three examples to follow today. My hope is that we're all going to follow all of these together so that we will not be hypocrites. And so that we'll follow Jesus in his love for the lost. We must love like Jesus loves the lost. We must commit to reaching the lost like the shepherd commits to reaching them. And we must rejoice like heaven rejoices. We always end with next steps, which I love. Here's some tangible next steps to apply in your lives right now while the Spirit's moving in your hearts, and I pray that he will right now. Here's the first one. I will be lost no more. I would guess in a room this size, there are people who have not trusted Jesus yet. Maybe you thought you have. Maybe you're considering it. Jesus wants to rescue the lost who are still in sin, those who stand condemned before a holy and perfectly righteous God. That is everyone, friends, everyone. Without repentance and faith in Jesus alone as your Savior through his finished work on the cross, that is enough to wash everything in your past away. It's infinite in its power. So you turn to Jesus and trust him. The sinners need to say, I repent from all the bad that I've ever valued and believe in you, Jesus. And the self-righteous need to say, I repent from the selfish reasons that I ever did anything good. And follow you, Jesus. All right, I will be lost no more. We will rejoice if you make that commitment. And I ask you to write it on the yellow communication card so we'll follow up with you. Or if you want to talk more about that. Second, Okay, for everyone, think about this. I will stop being a referee and a spectator. Referees are just looking to penalize infractions. People who don't measure up to our standards. The spectators are those who watch other actions and cheer and boo. Have you been guilty of either of these? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think we all could say yes. It's time to confess. If you've been a referee or a spectator and become a player today on God's team. Identify the unsaved people in your life who you will start loving like Jesus loves them. And this includes all of our local relationships. This is our local mission that God has given us. He's put those relationships in your life and you in their life for that reason. It also includes a global element. Now earlier we started with a picture from Niger uh, to tie in with our missionary Gail who's here today. Uh, this is also just happens to be uh, one of the most critical times in Niger, uh, in the Christian work among the Tamajic people. There's two million Tamajic people. There's only about five to seven hundred believers yet. Praise God for those. And about half of those came from these Tamajic Bible camps that happen every year. And the next Tamajic Bible camp, these are a week long of sunup to after sundown, intense fellowship, wrestling with scriptures. Um, it's happening and it starts in four days. And we've been asked to pray. We've supported it. And I have a 40-second video of a greeting from the leaders of this Bible camp. Uh, and I want to link our hearts to this great work right now because our prayers do work. Let's watch that video. Hey, see, see, I should... 
some spiritual battle uh, for our brothers and sisters in Niger. Uh, we're going to pray in just a moment, but first, next step number three, I will gather into the fold at Lake City Community Church. God has given us a wonderful sheepfold to be a part of. It is messy and not perfect, but it is healthy and it is great. And, and I, a, a true loss comes to the shepherd and a true loss comes to, to the community when, when you're not involved. So join a small group, start volunteering in ministries, whatever God leads you to today. Just Ask him, what can I do this fall? Where will you direct me this fall? So you can, as we gather for his purposes, for his glory, for our good, how will you connect here this fall? Let's pray. Let's commit these things to God. Lord God, I want to begin with praying for these uh, brothers and sisters that are leading and working at the Tamajic Bible Camp. Uh, just, we were so blessed last year by hearing the stories and seeing the pictures and seeing the fruit. And hearing about the challenges. Uh, there are deep challenges. Deep spiritual battles. Um, and so in a room this size, if we're all praying collectively, Lord, we know that our prayers have power right now. And we want to pray humbly in your power that you will bless them and the Holy Spirit will break up the ground, go before them, uh, have great fruit, have great wisdom and discernment, which is so needed. Have uh, health and energy for the long days. And um, I pray for every new sheep that comes to you and has to battle being uh, marginalized or, or persecuted in, in severe ways. Lord, I pray that the gospel will be made beautiful through all of that. And Lord, that same prayer translates to our work in Lakewood, DuPont, University Place, JBLM, wherever we are and wherever we go. I pray that we'll be faithful and so joyful because of our obedience and how you respond to that. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 